Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. Well, I want to talk to you today about fear. Specifically, I want to talk to you today about unfounded fear, groundless fear. Um, because I believe that much of what you and I face as in the, in the form of fear in our lives is ungrounded fear. We're, we're afraid of things that we need not be afraid of. We are, we are vexed by things that we need not necessarily be vexed by. And uh, if, if we're willing, let me tell you this today. If you are willing, the adversary is more than willing and certainly able to fill your head and your heart with all manner of thoughts and possibilities of things that will terrify you, that will leave you in fear. The thoughts about how, how are we ever going to make it? The future, we, we think about the future and what bad things that the future might hold for us. Here's something funny about fear, and that's this. Sometimes fear will harm us in totally unnecessary ways. Now, I have several illustrations here today that I could share with you, but I'm not going to for, for time's sake this morning. I just want to share this one. This is a study in Cleveland, Ohio, where coroners examined the hearts of 15 assault victims who died after being attacked, even though their wounds were not life-threatening. And Charles Hurst was one of, the, one of the researchers there, and this is what he found. He concluded that 11 of the 15 victims had torn fibers and lesions in their heart, most likely caused by mortal fear. In other words, they died because they feared what might happen to them. And I want to share with you today that a lot of times you and I will die spiritually just simply for fear of what might happen to us. We die a little bit emotionally for fear of what might happen, what could be. I want to share with you today some of the ways that fear affects us and to do so, I want to use the, a chapter from the life of a well-known man in the Bible, and his name is Jacob. If you have your Bible with you and you want to go ahead and turn with me to the book of Genesis, uh, that's easy for you today. It's the first one, okay? So just, just kind of open and get past the table of contents, and we're there. We're going to roll on to about chapter 30, 31, somewhere in there, uh, chapter 31 this morning as we start. So I want to remind you a little bit while you're finding your place there. I want to remind you a little bit about some of the backstory of this man, Jacob. If you guys know, this is the grandson of Abraham. Jacob, has, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And Jacob was born one of a set of twins. And uh, you'll remember his brother Esau, and you remember the stories that are told about them. They are two very different individuals. And one day, uh, this trouble starts one day when Jacob decides that he will trick Esau out of his birthright as the firstborn. 
From there on, he and his mother plot and scheme together to steal his father's blessing. So that, you know, those things keep happening here between these two brothers until one day Esau finally says, look, I've had enough. I'm killing this guy. I'm going to knock him off. Well, they hear word about that, and, and uh, Jacob's mom hears that. She comes to Jacob and said, listen, your brother Esau is planning to kill you. You've got to get out of here. You've got to flee. You've got to get away. So she tells him, and he goes down to her brother's house, his uncle Laban. And there he labors for several years, and he, he labors seven years for one of Laban's daughters. Laban pulls the old switcheroo on him and gives him the older daughter instead of the one he really desired. So he had to work another seven years to be uh, granted the hand of Rachel to be married to her. Okay, are you with me so far? We're going fast, all right. But I want to bring you here. We're, we're like playing the first several years, couple of decades of a man's life here and fast forward. So... Jake, uh, Jacob is there, and he flees to his uncle Laban's house, and he goes through all that, but he's been working hard during that time, and here's the thing. The whole time that Jacob has been there working, the Lord has been blessing and bountifully multiplying his life. He has become a very wealthy man. Now, you and I, you know, it's hard for us to understand it, but this will begin to, you know, resonate with you a little later in the story. We we measure our wealth in dollars and cents. In the society in which Jacob lived, largely they measured their wealth in horns and hoofs. It was, you know, if you had a lot of cattle, if you had a lot of sheep, if you had a lot of goats, then you were considered a very wealthy person. The bigger your herd was, the wealthier you were. Okay? So one day, the word of the Lord comes to Jacob. Now, he had fled from all of this unrest in his homeland, this, this civil dispute between he and his brother and this, you know, this days of our lives kind of stuff that was going on there in his family. And he's been there for 14 years now laboring for his uncle Laban. And finally one day the word of the Lord comes to him and says, Jacob, it's time for you to go back home. And it's, it's this way, Genesis 31 verse 3 says this, Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your family, and I will be with you. Now, this is where I want to parallel for you today. You and I, we are pilgrims. We're just passing through. This world is not our home. We have a heavenly kingdom. Jesus said, as he was before he ascended, he said, I go to my father's house to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. We're just sojourners. We're just pilgrims. We're on a journey. We have an upward call. God is calling us homeward, each of us, but we're on the journey of faith and we're walking this road that we call life. Now, here's the interesting part, and this is, you need to underline this, circle it, mark it in red, highlight it, do whatever you do in your scripture, or take a note, put it on a post-it pad and stick it on your fridge, I don't care, but you need this word today. God calls Jacob home. He said, I want you to begin a journey from where you are to where your father is, and I will be with you. Now that's the word for all of us today as God has called us on our spiritual journey. 
we have that same promise that as we trek along life's road, God says, I will be with you. Some of you have sleep, touch your neighbor and tell them, God will be with you. So Jacob did begin this homeward journey, but in doing so, uh, the things that he did were very telling about how fear affects us. You've got notes on the back of your bulletin. If you want to follow along with me here this morning, you can fill in the blanks. You can jot down some notes. Say, Pastor, why are there blanks on the back of our bulletin? Because I know some of you are OCD, and it would just disturb you terribly to leave here today without your blanks filled in. So that is my ploy to get you to listen. When we live in fear, it affects our state of mind. It will affect our state of mind. It affects the way we process things and the way we make decisions. I told you that Jacob spent many years in Haran, and there the Lord had greatly blessed him. He was working and building a family. But if we put ourselves there in Jacob's place, it had been many years since he had seen his family. His parents were getting up there in age and his children were growing up without a knowledge of of their grandparents. They didn't know who they were. They'd never met them. Can y'all think about that with me for just a minute? What What if your children, you live far away and your children had never met their grandparents? Let me, let me speak to the grandparents. What if your children live far away and you'd never met your grandkids? You'd be ready for them to come home, right? So he's here in this situation, and surely, just like us, his desire would be for his children to see Isaac and Rebekah. But as he's planning this journey, we begin to see fear beset him on both ends. He's afraid to tell Laban that he's leaving, And he's afraid to face Esau when he gets home. Now, and this is evidenced by his actions here. Because when he got ready to leave from, when he got ready to leave from Laban's house there in Haran, he didn't go in and say, you know what, I've been laboring here for you for 14 years. I've been, I've been living here. You've changed my wages how many ever times. I can't even keep count anymore. And I just feel like the time has come for me to go home. God said, that it was time for me to go home. See, that's the, that's, the, that's the thing right there. God said it was time for me to go. But he didn't do that. He was fearful of what his Uncle Laban might say. So he gathers his things. He gathers both of the children of Uncle Laban that he's married. He packs them up and he slips away secretly. He's afraid. He didn't want to tell Laban that he was leaving. As a matter of fact, in, in chapter 31, Laban actually chases Jacob down and says, hey, where are you going and why did you leave without saying anything? And this is Jacob's response. He says, and then Jacob answered, verse 31, and said to Laban, because I was afraid. Because I was afraid. Because I was afraid, for I said, perhaps you would take your daughters from me by force he was afraid how many of you are guilty sometimes of making decisions that are birthed out of your fear rather than decisions that are founded on your faith i know i am i have been guilty of that before in the past and i'm sure that each of you have been at some point you've made decisions based on you've handled situations based on fear rather than on faith 
So anyway, on his anticipation, he's, he's anticipating his arrival at, back home, and we're going to kind of skip around here some in the story, but returning home, he's anticipating that reunion with Esau. And fear, again, affects his decisions. Verse, uh, chapter 32, verse 7 says this, So Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people that were with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two companies. Now, Regarding this verse, one commentator says that fear was the bitter morsel in Jacob's cup of blessing. I want to tell you today, people of God, that God does not intend for you to live in fear. God does not intend for you to live in fear. He wants you to walk in the blessing that he set before you. He wants you to enjoy the good things. But for a lot of us, we're just like Jacob and we're like this commentator says about him. Fear is our bitter morsel in the cup of blessing. It's always there haunting and nagging and it affects the way we make decisions. It affects the way we approach situations. Now, we're, we're not, I understand that we're not emotionless creatures. So fear is going to come. There will be moments when we find ourselves in fearful situations. I want to tell you, one time, uh, my family and I, we used to live up in the mountains of North Carolina for a couple of years. And um, we were out one winter day, and we wanted to drive up the mountain. And we drove up, we drove up the hill, and there was one of these pull-offs here for a scenic overlook. And uh, we parked the car there. And we got out, and I walked across the street, and I was taking pictures there of the hillside and the mountains off in the distance and everything. And uh, Hannah was just a little, a little tot at the time. Uh, I mean, she was big enough to get, I guess, seven, eight years old. And um, she used to love an icicle. You know, the, the way they like just grow naturally off your gutters and down. So she loved those things, man, just was fascinated with them. And we were there, and beside the pull-off where we were parked, there was a sheer rock wall. And at the bottom of that were all these little icicles down there. So she stepped out of the car and, and went over there, and, and she was going to go pull off one of those icicles. Well, when she did, she pulled that one icicle, and I heard from across the street what was happening was that entire sheet of ice straight above her was crackling and coming loose. So we're on the side of Highway 64. And there are cars just zooming and zipping up and down and up and down that road. I'm on the other side of the road and I'm yelling, Hannah, run! Until she starts running towards the street. And then I'm like, Hannah, stop! And like, all of my insides are displaced. My stomach is here. My heart is somewhere down here. And I'm just gripped in that moment with fear because what I, I want to run across the street, but I don't want to die from the oncoming traffic either. What do you do? You're just standing there watching in terror. So I'm not saying there will be moments when we find ourselves in fearful situations, time that there's a lack of bold faith when fear comes. But, you know, I can't hinder fear from coming into my life, but I can't excuse it from staying as I recognize that it's according to the promise of God that it's ungrounded fear. 
There are some things sometimes that we need to lay across the grid of the promises of God and say, you know what, one of these things doesn't match here. Something doesn't match. I've got to decide what I'm going to believe here. Am I going to believe the promise of God for my life or am I going to believe the fearful situation? And if I'm going to believe the promise of God, then I've got to discard the fearful situation. I've got to cast it aside. I've got to put it away. Now, the psalmist said this, Psalm 56, verses 3 and 4. He says, whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? You see, decisions, children of God, Decisions of faith are not determined by circumstance. Sometimes decisions of faith are made in spite of circumstances. The pathway may not look clear. Everything may not seem to be aligning. But when you've heard from the Lord, you move forward. When you've heard from the Lord, you cast fear aside and you step out by faith which segues into a second thing, fear affects our faith. Fear affects our faith. When we go to the Lord in prayer, it's a place to cast our burdens. It's a place to present to Christ our weaknesses and lean on him for his strength. But it's also a place where doubt must die and fear must be cast aside and faith in the word of the Lord over our lives begins to arise in us. How many of you believe today that you've been made more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loves you? How many of you believe today that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus? How many of you believe today that no weapon formed against you is going to prosper? Come on, somebody. How many of you believe that the anointing breaks the yoke? Amen. Amen. And Jacob, we find Jacob in this in this discourse here and he's in this narrative and he's praying himself in chapter 32 and it's a very fitting prayer because Jacob is there and he recounts the promises of God and it says then Jacob said oh God my father uh, God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac the Lord who said to me return to your country and to your family and I will deal well with you there it is You know what, if you've got that kind of promise, then what's left to do but get up and go? Because if God be for us, then who can stand against us, right? But he's not walking in that. And he he recognizes in the next verse, God, verse 10, he recognizes God's blessing over his life. This is chapter 32. He says, I'm not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown me, your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. And then he acknowledges his fear. And he says, deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him. Lest he come and attack me and the mother of my children, and and the mother with the children. And then he reaffirms the promise. And he says, for you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sands of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. But here's the thing. Jacob in this prayer said all the right things. And sometimes in our prayer, we say all the right things. But faith is more than just simply saying the right words. 
What does James say? Faith without works. Faith without action. It's dead. Faith without works is dead. Faith is more than just knowing the promise. Faith is more than just talking about the promise. Faith is more than believing that God can. Faith is trusting that he will and then acting accordingly. And Jacob's actions here contradict his words. Yes, sir, he said all the right things. He, he did it in a wonderful order. I mean, he just comes to God. He recounts the promise. He recognizes the blessing. He acknowledges his fear, but then he reaffirms the promise. He lays a request on the altar. And then in the very next verse, he takes it up again. And that's where we learn that fear affects the handling of God's provision in our lives. The Lord had blessed Jacob abundantly during these years. But when the time came for him to actually meet Esau, he began handling his resources according to his fear and not according to his faith. I want to read for you here several verses, and if you want to follow along, chapter 32, beginning in verse 13, and it reads this way. It says, so he lodged there that same night, and he took what came to his hand as a present for Esau, his brother. 200, this is where I told you it's going to begin to, to make sense here. Remember, they counted their wealth in horns and hoofs, not in dollars and cents. And it says here, he took he took everything that came to his hand as a present for Esau, his brother. 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milk camels with their colts, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, 10 foals. And then he delivered them to the hands of his servants, every drove by itself, and said to his servants, pass over before me and put some distance between successive droves. And he commanded the first one, saying, when Esau, my brother, meets you and asks you, saying, to whom do these belong and where are you going Whose are those in front of you? Then you shall say, they are your servant Jacob's. It is a present sent to my Lord Esau. And behold, he also is behind us. So he commanded the second and the third and all those who followed the drove saying, in this manner you shall speak to Esau when you find him. And also say, behold, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, listen, I will appease him with the presence that goes before me. And afterward, I will see his face, and perhaps he will accept me. So did Jacob have a promise from God or not? If God is for you, who can stand against you? If God has promised you something, you don't have to buy your way into it. God will give you favor. God will go before you. you. Have you heard that verse that God is going before you? That's what it means. He's preparing the way. If he called you to it, he will bring you through it. You don't have to figure it out for yourself. But so many times, out of fear, we make decisions that cost us. How many of you have ever been there? Come on, we make decisions that cost us. The point of all of this is simply this. It costs us when we are moved by fear rather than by faith. In 1903, 
Henry Ford shocked the world with the introduction of his Model T Ford into the, into the marketplace with a dream that automobiles would be made accessible to every man. And by 1914, Ford was producing nearly 50% of all of the automobiles in the United States. And one day, Henry showed up at work, and his, some of his associates there had a big surprise for him. And they came in, and they were all proud, and they took Henry over to this veiled piece that was sitting there, and they said, we've got something we want to show you. And they were just so pleased with themselves, and they went over, and they pulled the cover off, and it was the prototype of a different model of car, a new model of car. Henry Ford responded by going over and ripping the doors off of the prototype by its hinges and continued there in anger to dismantle the entire car piece by piece with his bare hands. He took it apart, threw it in the floor. Now for almost 20 years, Ford only offered one design, the Model T. It wasn't until 1927 that he finally agreed to offer a new car to the public. But by 1931, Ford's market share had dropped from nearly 50% to 28% due to the lack of advancements. Why? Because he was gripped by fear. He was afraid that somebody else might have a good idea. He, was a, he feared being undermined by some of his associates. He, and, and furthermore than that, he was like the most of us. He was just... Change just frightened him to death. So he tried to keep things from changing. And child of God, when we operate according to fear instead of faith, it's going to cost us something. And oftentimes it affects our relationships. And I'm hastening to a close here. Jacob sees Esau coming down the road. And Jacob returns to default mode here. And I want to read you something, and I want you, to, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of the maidservant or one of her children here in this passage as I read this. Let's say that you're in a family, a large family. And one day your father begins to try to decide your rank in an order of importance. How's that feel? I've got two kids. I love them both the same. I would give them each one equal whatever I could do. But suppose one day I just took one of them and I said, listen, you know what? I just got to tell the two of you something. I like one of you better than the other. How do you think that feels? Listen to this, chapter 33, the first two verses. Now Jacob lifted his eyes and looked, and there Esau was coming. And with him were 400 men. Oh, it's about to get real here. It's just like I thought. He's coming with 400 men. He's going to attack us. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two maidservants. In other words, he divided the children with their specific mothers. And this is what he did. And he put the maidservants and their children in front. 
And he put Leah and her children behind. And he put Rachel and Joseph last. In other words, what he did was he categorized his family according to their expendability. And said, here, no, 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 here, here we go. You go face my angry brother and his 400 people. You go first. I'll stay back here and take up the rear with my favorite wife and my favorite kid. We'll, we'll just hang back here. They'll be tied up with you. That'll give us a chance to run away if we need to. Are you kidding me? You say, Pastor, how do, how do you, what does that have to do with relationships? And I ask you, how does that feel as your father's child to be categorized as to who's the most expendable? You can tell me whatever you want to, and it's not in Scripture, but I promise you there was some family dysfunction from this point forward. Right? As a matter of fact, you, you can actually find it in Scripture. You, you really can. So what did it feel like? What did it feel like walking out ahead of the rest of the camp knowing that your father anticipates war with the man that you're about to meet and you have to go first? It's not specified here, but I know that played into the family dynamic. You know it did. What do you think the maidservants told their kids that the reason was for that? Even if the kids didn't recognize it, there's no doubt that the mamas did. See, fear affects our relationships. We get to the place we can't trust anyone. We've been hurt before. We isolate ourselves. We draw away. We judge and second-guess every move that's made. We can't, we can't connect with people because we're so afraid of being hurt. But here's the thing. Jacob walked in and exercised an ungrounded fear. There was, there was no reason for it. He didn't have to be afraid. Why? Because God had spoken a word over his life. And whatever you're walking in today, God has a word over your life. You are victorious. You are more than a conqueror. You're a child of the Most High God. You are His princes and princesses. He loves you. He has loved you with an everlasting love. He's going to take care of you. He's going to be with you. He's going to make the way for you. There are over 300, I think there's actually one for every day of the year in Scripture, a reference where God says, fear not. Fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, over and over and over and over. You remember that homeward call on Jacob's life and the promise of the Lord to be with him? You remember how much of Jacob's journey was actually dictated and driven by fear? Now here we come to the time of meeting and it says this in the verses 3 through 7, Genesis 33. It says, then he crossed over before them and he bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near his brother. But Esau ran to meet him 
and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept and he lifted his eyes and saw the women and the children and he said who are these with you so he said the children whom the God has graciously given your servant then the maidservants came near they and their children and they bowed down and Leah also came near with her children and they bowed down and afterward Joseph and Rachel came near and they bowed down and then I wonder how Jacob felt about this next question from Esau it says and then Esau said what do you mean by all this company which I met? And he said, these are to find favor in, in your sight, in the sight of my Lord. But Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. In other words, he, he said, you didn't have to do all that. It's totally unnecessary. You didn't have to buy any favor with me. God had already made the way. God had already softened the heart. Then we have Jacob's sheepish response. Can you, can you just imagine this for a minute? All those hundreds of heads of livestock that he sent ahead to try to buy favor. He says, and Jacob said, no, 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 please. If I've now found favor in your sight, then receive my present from my hand. And as much as I have seen your face, as though I had seen the face of God and you, you were pleased with me, please take the blessing that is brought to you because God has dealt graciously, graciously with me and because I have enough. So he urged him and he took it. He urged him and he took it, but somewhere along the way, Jacob was saying, why did I do that? I didn't have to do that. I'm going to be gracious now and let it go because I've already done that, but I didn't have to do that. And can I tell you today, child of God, you don't have to. To live another day in fear because of all the things that God has given you fear was not one of them because the word says that God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind you don't have to be afraid he's with you he is always with you God has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light he is leading you somewhere, and wherever he's leading you, he's preparing the way before you. Don't be afraid of what men can do to you. Don't be afraid, because if God is for you, who can be against you? Amen? Would you stand with me all over this sanctuary this morning? Our worship team's coming to lead us this morning. And as they do that, I want to offer a simple plea. I want to ask some of our prayer warriors to go ahead and join us here at the front. And if you've been walking in fear, If you've been abiding in that place and fear is costing you, it's costing you peace of mind, it's costing you joy, it's costing you sleep at night. I want you to be released from that this morning.
I want you to be released of that before you leave this place today. And as they begin to sing, if you need prayer this morning, you'd like somebody to agree with you, I want you just to step out from where you are and make your way to this altar. We want to agree with you today. We want to lift that up to Jesus. Submit that weakness and lean into his strength today. And the peace of God that passes all understanding can flood your heart and your mind before you leave this house today. That lie of the adversary can be hushed right now. That voice that's shouting doom and gloom at you can cease right now in the name of Jesus. So as they sing, would you come this morning? We want to believe God with you for deliverance from that. Before we do that, however, I want to ask, If today you step from this life into eternity, do you know where you would spend forever? We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.